You're listening to SBS News. We often hear about new policies and programs that promise to improve the lives of Australians. But what about the issues that are too stigmatised and seem to be too taboo for policymakers to address? I'm Katrina Stirrett, and this is The Too Hard Basket. In this episode, we'll look at the barriers to accessing appropriate and culturally safe sexual and reproductive health care for women from multicultural backgrounds. Most migrant and refugee women on temporary visas do not have access to Medicare. This makes accessing essential services, such as pregnancy termination, an expensive and highly stressful experience. Even for those women who may have access to Medicare, many are forced to grapple with services that aren't culturally safe or fail to cater to their diverse linguistic or cultural needs. Australia is one of the most diverse and multicultural nations in the world, so why do we still confront barriers in sexual and reproductive health care? And what can be done to change the system? The attitude towards women's health has always been and continues to be your body, your choice, your problem. We did not really have any support groups or any program that kind of checks in with you and say, are you mentally feeling okay? I was expecting uh, pretty much to receive a call, not only to say, oh, you are not pregnant. I was expecting to receive some kind of emotional support and that didn't happen. Sarah and Dulce are talking about two very different experiences of sexual and reproductive health care. But both migrant women have confronted a range of barriers to accessing appropriate and culturally safe care. Sarah, whose name has been changed to a pseudonym to remain anonymous, describes the stressful experience of accessing an abortion in 2020 while on a temporary visa. Women on a temporary visa mostly cannot access Medicare, with their health care left in the hands of private insurance, which doesn't always cover pregnancy-related care. In fact, since 2011, international students are not guaranteed funding for pregnancy-related services from health insurers during their first 12 months in Australia. This is despite data that shows more than 70% of pregnancy-related treatment for all international students occurs within the first year of their arrival in the country, according to the 2021 Multicultural Centre for Women's Health report. Sarah is a Tamil woman from India living in the Northern Territory and was on a regional-sponsored skill visa without access to Medicare when she required an abortion. An already stressful decision was heightened by the enormous financial burden of funding her termination. I migrated to Australia about 10 years ago as a student. I met my now husband in Darwin two years ago and last year we discovered that I was pregnant. I was on the pill and my pregnancy was a surprise and a shock for both of us. I did not want to have a baby, given that I am on a visa and the financial implications of pregnancy were absolutely enormous. And that choice is really difficult to make, saying, well, it's going to cost me money to have a child anywhere in the long run and with no Medicare support to all of this antenatal stuff. Or I could just pay a big lump sum and then just call it a day. And that was the choice I had to make. In fact, Sarah's pregnancy termination cost her over $1,500 in the end. She says it's unfair that migrant women are left vulnerable, 
with the financial burden of accessing what should be a guaranteed human right. Personally, I feel like it leaves women very invisible and unsafe. So it's already given that we have additional barriers in, say, we don't speak English as a first language. Sometimes we might be, we might have traumatic migration journeys if you're from a refugee background or um, if you've come on a spousal visa and then you can't really speak English very well. There are all these additional barriers that we often don't see. And I feel that in these situations, we're even more invisible. Our attitude definitely towards migrant women health needs to change. In a statement, the Department of Health and Aged Care said the broad principle underlying Medicare eligibility is that eligibility is generally restricted to people who permanently reside in Australia. And as such, temporary visa holders are generally ineligible for Medicare. The statement also said that public hospital fees for pregnancy and termination services for patients without Medicare fall under the jurisdiction of state and territory governments and that private sector charges are not controlled by the Australian government. While Dulce Diaz-Lanos had a very different pathway through the sexual and reproductive health care system, she too confronted barriers. It was 10 years ago now when Dulce found out that her IVF treatment was unsuccessful. She says she feels as though she was treated as a number in a system and didn't receive the culturally safe care she needed. This is a big process, like a a woman would like to get pregnant, spend a little bit of caring and timing to explain the process. Mm -hmm. It feels like, yes, it was a number. The biggest things that I did face at that time was the lack of emotional support. They didn't have a, a psychologist or somebody can call me when I was not successful. Dulce understands that different cultures have various ways of dealing with emotions, but says her Latino-Spanish background is one very centred on emotional expression. Dulce works for the Red Cross with the Health in My Language program in South Australia. In working with African, Arabic and other multicultural communities, she has found this feeling of being othered is an unfortunately common experience in navigating the health system. I don't have problem with crying in front of everybody. Um, I grew up doing this. When we are sad, you can see it. And then I could see the doctor struggle to manage this. If I did cry in front of the doctor or the nurse... They were a little bit like kind of paralyzed, not to know what to do. And then when I did check, when I have heard this from other communities, they look at us kind of, oh, quite dramatic. Oh, drama. Chiedza Malunga is a member of the Migrant and Refugee Health Partnership Committee and works for Monash Refugee Health and Wellbeing. She specialises in sexual and reproductive health promotion and research in multicultural communities across Victoria and says one key issue is a lack of adequate cultural competency embedded into the training and practices of health practitioners. So you find that in most organisations, cultural safety training or cultural competency training is usually an add-on or it's not part of, it's not ingrained in the basic training, I guess. So if we actually flipped the script and said anyone who was going through training at the tertiary level, even studying engagement in primary school level around diversity and accepting difference and ensuring that we all speak to people in the language they understand would overcome a lot of those barriers. Sarah was disappointed that the family planning clinic didn't direct her to mental health services following her termination. 
In a statement, Northern Territory Health said their clinical guidelines for termination of pregnancy state pre-termination assessments should include counselling and access to psychological support, and that medical professionals should identify women who may require pathways to additional support. Sarah says while mental health services may exist, she would have liked to be offered help accessing these services, as well as be linked to community support groups that offer a culturally safe space through a challenging time. We did not really have any support groups or any program that kind of checks in with you and say, are you mentally feeling okay? Family Planning Clinic did a domestic violence screening, as they do for every person that walks in their door, but we had no support um, except, oh, you're not in a DV situation? Okay, you should be fine. Um, There was not a lot of, um, there's no support group. And we're also scared to reach out to our community members and speak about this because of there's cultural barriers, there's so much shame and guilt. Sarah says this is not to say stigma is unique to multicultural communities, but rather that migrant women should be offered community support. Delaram Ansari is a senior policy advisor at the Multicultural Centre for Women's Health and explains how systemic and structural barriers prevent women from multicultural backgrounds from accessing culturally safe sexual and reproductive health care. If we look at regional services access particularly, we know that regional access is limited, um, particularly with certain services, let's say with abortion care and abortion services, there are limited access in certain regional areas. But to kind of add to that, it is likely that even those limited services don't offer culturally appropriate or in-language services or Perhaps they don't have interpreter services or in-language resources. So I think there's a lot of layers that kind of intersect with each other. That's why we really very much use an intersectional approach to looking at issues. Unfortunately, there is frustration among migrant and refugee women over how siloed health support can be, according to Chiedza. I can think of some examples where someone's from a culturally diverse background has got a disability is needs to see allied health professionals, um, but then interpreting is not funded for allied health professionals. And even though they've got a good NDIS package, it becomes difficult to navigate that space if there is no funding for language services. So I, I think it's a it's a combination of things, but I think there is a lot of silo kind of funding, which in the end sometimes doesn't actually allow for good outcomes for people. There is a high population of refugees and migrants in southwestern Sydney communities, with women's health services aiming to fill a gap in culturally safe care. Mariam Murad is CEO of Bankstown Women's Health Centre and Fairfield Women's Health Service. She says working within a feminist framework means women from diverse multicultural backgrounds feel safe to share sometimes traumatic experiences with trusted professionals, many of whom share lived experience. The difference between the women's health centres and the medical and your normal medical centre, when you present at a medical centre, usually the doctors look about look of what's wrong with you as opposed to what we do. We the trauma informed practice care is about what's happened to you as opposed to what's wrong with you. So we create a culturally appropriate space and gen and safe um, and gender safe space. Added to this is the reality that many migrant and refugee women who access these women's health services have confronted traumatic experiences, Mariam explains. 
This can include being persecuted by their own government as political prisoners, experiencing sexual abuse and even being subject to genital mutilation practices. Mariam says mainstream Australia is mostly ill-equipped to navigate this lived experience. It's really about understanding, not just the, not just speaking the language, but also understanding your journey and understanding where you come from in terms of the trauma. Because in particularly uh, when uh, women come as refugees or families come as refugees, there's a whole imp- there's a whole trauma background that the the refugee come refugee communities come with. So it is important to have that trauma framework plus the feminist values. Understanding cultural nuances through intersectional practices is vital to creating safe spaces for women, according to Chiedza. She believes there's not enough consideration in mainstream Australia given to the different ways sexual health is defined and perceived by diverse cultural and religious backgrounds. Chiedza describes one instance where she was giving a sex education talk at a school, acknowledging the importance of engaging diverse understandings of sexual identities and practices. I can't go and talk about safe sex without talking about abstinence because talking about abstinence for me is acknowledging the culture and the religion, right? I'm not saying that in talking about safe sex, I am um, saying every young person is sexually active. Religion in some young people's life is a protective factor for them and it it gives them other options, I guess, and looking at how they want to do relationships. And part of that is acknowledging that some of them choose not to be sexually active. Part of this failure to adopt a more intersectional approach could be due to a lack of research into the sexual and reproductive health experiences of women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds, according to Delaram. In fact, Australia still does not have a national sexual and reproductive health strategy or a coordinated system for collecting sexual and reproductive health data, according to the 2021 Multicultural Centre for Women's Health report. The health department referred to the National Women's Health Strategy in their statement, pointing out the five key areas, including sexual and reproductive health. The department said a key action under the strategy was to ensure culturally appropriate sexual and reproductive health for women. However, the strategy makes minimal mention of the barriers for women from multicultural backgrounds, except for in reference to working towards expanding family planning services for priority populations and in offering education on sexual and reproductive health in schools that is culturally and linguistically safe. Delaram says policy change is reliant on research. Uh, we always say that gaps in research is not by accident. I think it's really important for us to really consider and ask ourselves, who are we missing and why, instead of just thinking, why is there a gap? There is a lot of power imbalance in research, so it's very much important for us to focus on that and make sure we have national data that we can report on. Because if we don't know the extent of the issue and who's impacted by certain issues, it's really hard for us to advocate for certain communities and certain populations because they might be missed um, if we can't have accurate research on them. There's also a gap in sustained government funding for women's health services, according to women like Mariam who have worked in the space for over a decade. We've been funded for about 45 years. In 40 years, we haven't had any increase of funding at all. The government needs to take an active role in uh, funding appropriately women's health centre, not because I work at a women's health centre, 
but the, the work of the women's health centers. We've just done a business case to the government, um, to the Ministry of Health, and the work that we do, uh, the real cost is double of what the government um, actually provided. The Federal Health Department also responded to funding gaps in their statement. They said the government remains committed to providing support for sexual and reproductive health services for all Australians through public hospital funding, Medicare rebates for relevant services and subsidies for the cost of medicines, including some contraception. It added that the government supports state and territory provision of maternity health services through financial contributions, nationally consistent policy guidelines and funding to non-government organisations for national information resources, including for called and migrant communities. But migrant women like Dulce have their own message for the country they now call home. For me, the message for my, my government For me, the message for my country now, for Australia, is if we are becoming more multicultural, which is the beauty of the country, we'll spend time to deliver sessions, any kind of information that you would like, in the people's first language. Sarah feels that it's about empathy and understanding that while women have different needs, every woman should have the same access to safe choices. She hopes that Australia will become a country where everyone is thriving for better health rather than simply looking to survive. I think as a whole, it's just respecting women as human beings, right? Um, It's understanding that men play an equal part in pregnancy um, and that even though this decision is mine and the choice is mine, the problem is ours. People can have opinions and those are driven by their worldview and their religion and their culture and there is so much respect there for what we really need to start focusing on is how much love there is in our community. We need to love um, and support women to make healthy choices for them. Katrina Stirrett, SBS News.